Amen. I love that song, and the truth should resonate. What a blessing to know the Lord. Glory filled my soul because of Jesus Christ. Amen. The joy of our salvation, we should never lose it. All right, take your Bible and turn to Psalm 2, please. Psalm 2. And we're going to read the entire psalm, and then we'll work our way through it. There's a couple things that I want us to make note of before we read here. Number one is that what we're going to read here is a messianic psalm. Uh, If you don't know what a messianic psalm is, basically it's a prophetic psalm concerning the coming Messiah, the Christ, the chosen of God. Okay, It's a description of, of what the Messiah would be like or something about him. Okay, So it's a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the chosen of God. Okay. Secondly, we're going to notice as we're reading through here, you can pay attention to it as we read, that you're going to notice that there's a number of people speaking or different voices that are being heard. Okay. So it's not all just one voice. There's a number of them that have something to say. And in verse 2, what we're going to hear is the voice of the nations. They're saying something. They're speaking. In verses 4 and 5, you're going to hear the voice of the Father, God the Father. He's got something to say. In verse 7, you're going to hear the voice of the Son, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got something to say. And then in verse 12, in verses 10 through 12, we're going to, what I call, is, I think, is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he's pointing to Jesus Christ and he's giving instruction to men. Okay, And so I want you to note that as we read through here, and, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about, how it's a prophecy, it's a messianic psalm, and you'll hear these different voices as well. All right, so let's begin in verse 1. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying... Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little." Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Before we start breaking this passage down, just let me start by saying, the world today is really noisy. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of voices out in the world that are vying for attention. Your attention, my attention, the attention of people in this world. The result of that is that we are in danger or have the possibility of listening to the wrong voices and listening to the wrong instruction. And it's important that we have discernment in this very noisy world, 
that's littered with everything from political propaganda to advertising, even to religious speak. And I say that uh, particularly on purpose. We can listen to voices that sound religious, that might sound right, but without the right discernment in the Spirit of God, in the Word of God to define it for us, we can start listening to the wrong voices. And religious lingo and knowing the right things to say or coming across as sounding spiritual isn't always spiritual. And so we need to have a discerning heart and mind when it comes to all the voices in the world today. And when it comes to the things of this world, every entity has an opinion about what is happening in the world. But men's opinions don't matter. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And so we have to go back to the right voice and we have to go back to the right source. And we like to say, and I, I, I believe we believe this, that God is in control. I believe we believe this. And that one day, He's going to bring all of these voices and all the governments and all the earthly powers into submission. And God is going to rule and reign and God's will is going to be done. And so... That is our anchor point. It really is for this life, that God is really in control and ultimately His will is going to be done. And that's sort of the, the flex of this, if you want to call it that, it's a, in the vernacular. That's sort of, of what this psalm is talking about, that there's a lot of voices out there, but at the end of the day, God is going to have the last laugh and God is going to have the last say. And so because of that, here's some instruction for you and how you ought to live in your life. And so that's where we're going to go in this portion of Scripture this afternoon. And I want us to take a look at all these different voices that are speaking and what they have to say, okay? And let's ask the Lord to instruct us and encourage us today from His Word, all right? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that You'd help us with what we are going to consider here. And Lord, as, as we uh, look into the perfect law of liberty, Lord, I pray that You would help us to see Again, what manner of men we are, and Lord, that you'd help us to receive the right instruction from it today, and Lord, that we would have a heart as God's people, that we would have a heart to be in submission to you in all things, and that is according to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd encourage us today, in Jesus' name, amen. First of all, consider the voice of the nations in verses 1 and through 3. So we have all these voices, the voice of the nations, the voice of the Father, the voice of the Son, and the voice of the Spirit. Consider the voice of the nations, verse 1 through 3. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. If we look at the voice of the nations, what we find here is that it's a voice of rebellion. A rebellion against God. The Bible says here, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The word rage, it means to assemble, but it means to assemble tumultuously. All right? So it's not something orderly. It's, it's something that is a tumult, and they assemble together. And he says here, essentially, the kings of the earth, they set themselves the rulers take counsel together. They're assembling together, but it's tumultuously, and it's against the Lord and His anointed. And here's what they have to say. Let us break their bands asunder, 
Let us cast away their cords from us. It's the voice of rebellion against God. Some things we should understand. First of all, God is the one who formed the nations. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 10 and verse 5, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue, after his families, in their nations. And it was after the Tower of Babel that God divided up the nations, but God set their bounds, God gave them their lands and habitations. Not only did God establish or form the nations, God has also provided for the nations, even though the nations have a rebellious heart against God. God has shown mercy to them. In Acts chapter 14, just put your ribbon here, or something to mark your place so you can get back to it quickly. But in Acts chapter 14... Notice how God cares for even the nations that forget God and the nations that hate God. In in Acts 14 and verse 16, the Bible says, "...who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways." He's allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. "...nevertheless he left not himself without witness, in that he did good." and gave us rain from heaven, and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Even those nations that forget God, God has done good for them, and He's been left a witness for Himself that God is true, and that God exists, and God even provides for them, even though they hate God. God has also determined the nation's histories. In Acts chapter 17, flip over there, In Acts 17, in verse 26, the Bible says, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations. And God is the one who, we're all part of the same race, the same blood, we all have red blood, There's not uh, different races of people, but there are different ethnicities. There are different nations of people. It's all the human race, but God has appointed their bounds and their habitations and their histories. God has done all of those things. And so the question then is, why do the nations rebel against God? In Psalm 2, the heathen rage, the people imagine a vain thing. They've set themselves against the Lord, and their intent is, let us break their bands from us. We want freedom from God. Why do the nations rebel? Because they're seeking this freedom, but they're seeking this freedom without God, apart from Him. One commentator said this, he said, The purpose of life is not to find your freedom. The purpose of life is to find your master. The world as a whole is rebelling against God and His rule. They do not want God to rule over them. And why don't people, or why doesn't the world want God to rule over them? Because authority demands submission. And so if we can make it as if God doesn't exist, if we can cast away their cords from us and break their bands, and we can make it as if God doesn't exist, then we're not accountable to Him. Men love darkness because their deeds are evil. They don't want to come to the light. 
And the light reproves them of their evil deeds and the the lifestyle and the culture and the thinking of this world. It's all from the the prince of the power of the air. Uh, it's, It's all from the God of this world who's blinded people's minds in darkness. They don't want God ruling over them because authority demands submission. And it means that we're accountable to God. And the world is in the situation it is. And the world is a mess Morally, intellectually, socially, politically, economically, ecologically, it's all this way because it has defied God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Why is the world the way it is? Because it's a rebellious heart against God. And history shows that the Gentile nations have rejected God. They've rejected God's people. They've rejected God's word. They've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. The voice that they are speaking with is not a new voice. But, maybe like never before, there is this united voice of rebellion against the rule of God and of His Christ. You see it more and more. It's this united voice where people are in alignment, in agreement with with each other, but it's all in rebellion against God and even the people of God. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? He thought this way at one point. Nebuchadnezzar was proud. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was God, the master of his destiny. He wanted things his way. He wouldn't submit to God. He refused to admit that that God rules in the affairs of men. And the Bible tells us exactly what happened to him. Go over to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. We'll just read a brief section of Nebuchadnezzar's history. In verse 28, Daniel 4 and verse 28. The Bible says, all this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doth according to his will 
in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can say his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Whoa, what an awesome story. And the Bible says that when he was lifted up in pride and he set himself against God, exalting himself, a voice came from heaven and said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're a fool, and here's what's going to happen to you. And the Bible says until, until, until what? Until he understood and until he Recognize that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And it's his kingdom that is forever and ever. And the Bible says that, listen, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar said, my reason returned unto me. You know, men are fools and they're unreasonable men who defy and deny that God is the one who is in control. And maybe like never before, there's this united voice of rebellion against the rule of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we haven't seen the final fulfillment of that rebellion yet, but it's coming. And the Bible tells us that the fulfillment of that rebellion is ultimately going to climax when the kings of the earth assemble themselves together and unite to fight against the Lord. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Men are full of themselves. The kings of the earth are full of themselves. The thoughts of men are only for themselves. We exalt and lift up ourselves. And the, men, the kings of the earth are going to unite together to destroy God. And the Bible says in Revelation 19 and verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him, that's Jesus Christ, upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and of the flesh of captains, and of the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth." And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. 
That's the ultimate climax of the kings of the earth who set themselves against the Lord. And Jesus Christ is just going to simply speak a word. That's all it is. He's going to speak a word, and the kings of the earth are going to be destroyed. The application to all that should be this for us. The world is trying to drown out truth. Lots of noise. Lots of voices out there. The world's voice is one of defiance. It's one of rebellion. And over the noise of the world and over the noise of the nations, what we ought to be doing is listening for the voice of God that comes through His Word. We can be persuaded and we can be influenced by the wrong voices and we need to take inventory of who and what we are listening to. I just got a phone call a couple of days ago. I think it was Friday. And I was telling the men in men's prayer meeting this story. And on the other end was a, a pastor. I don't know him. He's from some church in Texas. And he's looking for information on Noah George. And I'm like, who are you? And what, why do you need information about him? Because I'm not about to give out information on anybody in our church on Noah George included, if I don't know who they are and what they're wanting. And so this pastor, he says, well, I want to know what he believes about the Jews. And I was like, well, I don't really know you, number one. So why do you want to know what he believes about the Jews? But I can tell you his viewpoint on the Jews is that it's biblical. And he says, well, I got this guy in my church who is a single guy in his 30s, and he, uh, he wants to take, or he's interested in witnessing to Arabs. And I said, okay, that's great. And, I, and then he goes, but the thing is, he hates the Jews. And I was like, well, what? 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 And he's like, well, he's got these opinions and these viewpoints on the Jews. And he's interested in going to Lebanon because Lebanon is on paper, you know, one-third a Christian nation, but he wants to witness to Arab people. I'm like, well, is he Arab himself? And he's like, no, he's a white guy. I'm like, well, why does he hate the Jews? He's like, well, he's racist. And I was like, and he's in your church? And so we kind of went back and forth in this conversation, and I started asking him more and more questions and come to find out that the, 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 the thing that's really driving this guy or his hatred for the Jews is that he's listening to the wrong voices. He's listening to the world. He's listening to the, the propaganda that's out there. He's not listening to the Word of God and what God says about the nation of Israel and God's plan for them still in the future that, they ha that He hasn't left them off completely. And then we kind of got talking a little bit about you know, what's happening in the world with the nation of Israel and Hamas and, and terrorism and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, you know what? The guy is all messed up in his thinking because he's not looking at the Word of God or listening to the Word of God. He's listening to the voices out there in the world. As a side note, I just saw, uh, I think it was, I can't remember exactly the article I was reading, but I was reading this article about this, and it turns out that, you know, the LGBTQ crowd, the, the ABC people, the Black Lives Matter, and many, many others, all of them 
absolutely hold a position of in favor of Palestine. And they're all saying that Israel is oppressing and Israel is enslaving these people. This is the mindset of the world. It's anti-Semitic. It's anti-Jewish. But it's not because the nation of Israel is necessarily guilty of all of these things. The reason is, is because they hate God. And the Jews are God's chosen people. I mean, if there was ever a people that was oppressed and enslaved... It's the Jews. And yet here they are all aligning themselves with Hamas, and they're aligning themselves with Palestine. And the Jews, the Israel, is the, they're the instigators, and they're the oppressors, and so on. Isn't it interesting that all those groups in the world are all aligned together in hatred over the Jews? Isn't it interesting that you find in our country the politicians are more and more aligning themselves together with a hatred for Israel. America is not a friend of Israel. And it won't be for very long, even though we're their strongest ally politically, it won't be for very long. Because the Bible tells us that all the nations of the earth are going to come together and they're going to make war against the Lord, and they're going to try to wipe out the nation of Israel. The point I'm making here, that's sort of just a side note, but the point that I'm making here is that the world's got a lot of noise going on. There's a lot of voices out there, and you and I need to be very discerning and very careful about what voices we're listening to to shape our thinking. It better be God's Word. We see another voice here, and I want you to note that it's the voice of God the Father. Look back in Psalm 2 and look at verse 4. So the nations of the world, the kings of the earth, they said something. They said, we want to break the bands of the Lord asunder. We want to cast away their cords from us. They don't want God to rule. But God has a response to that. He says in verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill, Zion. How does God respond to the threats of the kings of the earth? Well, the Bible says he laughs. But what is God laughing at? He's laughing at the audacity and the arrogance of puny, sinful men. He's laughing at puny little kings and rulers in the earth who've united themselves together to shake their fist at God and His throne and tell God, we don't want you ruling over us. That's what, they're la that's what God's laughing at. But God says something, and God has a voice. And we find in verse 4 that it's the voice of derision. Verse 4 says, The Lord shall have them in derision. That word derision, it means stammering. It means babbling. It carries the idea of somebody who's so confused and so distraught that they can't even speak. They can't even say their words. And you know what? That's how, that's how the world's going to be when they actually stand before God as judge. 
He's going to have them stammering and stuttering. God is so much bigger and so much greater than puny kings of the earth. Even with all their technology and all their abilities to make war. The Bible says in Revelation 6 and verse 15, the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. Why did they do that? Verse 16 says, And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? All the mighty kings of the earth are going to tremble in fear of the Lord. God's not speaking in judgment today, though. I'm glad for that. The voice of God is not one of judgment today. God is speaking by grace, the grace of the cross, through His dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's not willing that any should perish. That's why verse 12 of our chapter says, Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and ye perish from the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Here's instruction. You have a chance right now. But the day is coming when God is going to have the last laugh. Look at Psalm 37. Psalm 37 in verse 1. The Bible says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Skip down to verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of an upright conversation." Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. At the end of the day, the Lord's going to have the last say. And the Bible says that He's going to have them in derision. But then verse 5 tells us of our text that He's going to speak to them in His displeasure. Look at verse 5. Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. That word displeasure there, it means fiery anger. You know, we can say it again. God is not speaking today in wrath, but he's speaking in the grace of the cross through the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, 
who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. God is speaking today through His Son in grace, through the cross. But the day of the Lord is going to come. The day of the Lord, the day of tribulation, the day of the wrath of God is surely going to come into this world. God is going to speak to them in His sore displeasure, His fiery anger. It's going to be a terrible time of judgment. Not just for people, but on this world as a whole. Land, sea, sky, the world, the, the world of nature, the peoples of the earth, those who reject God... God's going to speak in His fiery anger. And in verse 6, we see that God says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The Bible says that God has set His anointed. He set His king upon His holy hill. That's Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a, 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 a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulders. And His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of, in, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon His kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's as if it's already done. It's already done. He will perform this. And though He is not yet seated on His throne the throne of glory, or upon the throne of David, as the Bible says, he is seated at the Father's right hand, and his throne is as certain as the Word of God. And one day he will return in glory, and he will sit upon his throne to judge and rule the nations. The Bible says so. Matthew chapter 25, turn over there. Matthew 25 and verse 31. Jesus says here, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. When was it established? From the foundation of the world. That's when it was prepared before the world even began. He says, For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Skip to verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when did, we, when did we do all these things? In verse 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Notice he's the king. Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Why does God laugh? Well, he laughs because the kingdom is secure. It's already established. And the thoughts of sinful men and the actions of puny kings will not win the day. 
the king has already been established. He said, I've, I will declare the decree. I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Jesus Christ is God's king. Amen? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's already going to, it's already, it's as if it's already happened. And so what is the voice of, of the nations? It's a voice of rebellion. But the voice of God is one of displeasure. And he's going to speak in his wrath, in his fiery anger. And he's already made the decree. And then we get to the voice of the Son. Notice verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my Son. This day have I begotten thee. So what did God say to the Son? Well, the Son is telling us what God the Father said. He said, This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. I think Jesus Christ is speaking in these verses here, and he is telling us, what the Father said to him in his eternal decree. As a side note, how good is it to know that God has made a decree and the fulfillment of his plans, and because God decreed it, nothing can stop it? Amen? How good is that? How, 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 much, how much peace should that bring to our soul in view of what we're seeing in this world, that no man can hinder the working of God? But what is it that God decreed, and what is it that he said? Well, verse 7 says, The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now we need to think about that for a second. The word begotten, it means to bring forth. So this day have I brought thee forth. The question is, when... Did God the Father say this to the Son? Because he's saying, this is what God said to me. This is what he's decreed. When did God say this to the Son? Well, it wasn't when he came into this world. It was when he actually came out of the tomb. That's when God said this. Go with me to Acts chapter 13. Turn over to Acts chapter 13. And remember, the word means to bring forth. In Acts chapter 13, we find that Acts 13 and verse 29 tells us, uh, it's a quote from Psalm 2, and it tells us that it's actually speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Acts 13 and verse 29, And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto their children, in that he raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. 
And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said, On this wise I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Amen. What a great truth. The Word of God speaks for itself, and He says that this statement that God the Father makes, this day have I begotten thee, this day have I brought thee forth, is speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was brought forth from a virgin tomb. Amen. No man had ever yet been laid in that tomb. He was brought forth into a glorious life of resurrection power. That statement is quoted again in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 5. It's quoted again in Hebrews 5 and verse 5. This day have I begotten thee. The heathen raged. They thought they had defeated the Lord when he was crucified and he was buried in a tomb. But how wrong they were. Amen. This day have I brought thee forth. And you know what? They're still wrong. Because the world says, where's the promise of His coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. You know what that context is? It's the context of the judgment of God. The fiery anger of God on sin in this world. But praise the Lord, that is not for me and you. He made the decree. Now look at verse 8. Go back to verse our, our text in Psalm 2 and look at verse 8. So now the question is, when will all of this happen? Because he made a decree. Verse 8 says, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. When is that going to happen? When will Christ receive the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession? Well, we know that it's when he returns to earth in power and great glory. We read some of those verses already. Then you get to verse 9 and he says, Thou shalt break them. That's this world, the kings of the earth. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Verse 9 is referred to in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 5, where the Bible says, And she brought forth a man-child who shall rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. In Revelation 19 and verse 15, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Revelation 19, 16, and he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, here's the voice of the Son. He's saying, God decreed this. This day have I begotten thee. He did that when he came forth from the tomb. He set his king in Zion. What is the application then for us in this? Because maybe some of you are just like bored, I don't know. This is fascinating to me, I love it. That God is in control. But what application do we make from this? Well, we make this application that Jesus Christ runs this universe by decree and not by democracy. Amen? Verse 7 says, I've made this decree. God's decrees are going to succeed. And it is puny and foolish men with their godless thinking and their godless living that, that, that think that, that they can somehow thwart the plans of God. But you know what? You and I are no different sometimes. 
We get rebellious in our soul, in our spirit, and we get, we get resistant to the things of God and the Spirit of God, and I don't want to hear it, and I don't want to submit to it, and it is the rebelliousness of the sinful heart that is a fool to think that we can somehow thwart God. We talked about it Wednesday night. You sow seeds, there's always going to be a crop. God decrees that Jesus Christ is the Son. God decrees that He will break the rebellious nations with a rod of iron. God decrees something, and it's going to happen. He's already given the nations to His Son. You remember in the Gospels when Satan came and tempted the Lord? What did He say to him? I'll give you all these nations. Just look out. I'll give you all of these nations if you'll just bow down and worship me. He already has them. You may rule right now as the prince of the power of the air. You might have control of the kingdoms of this world now, but the day is already decreed. It's already the Lord's. So what do we make of all of that? Well, I think we find the last voice and the voice of the Spirit comes to us and the application is made for us. In light of all of that, verse 10, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and ye perish from the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Here's the voice of the Holy Spirit it's the voice of decision. The closing verses here are an appeal from the Spirit of God to the sons of men to submit themselves now to Jesus Christ. This is already decreed. It's already there. You have a choice to make to submit yourself to Him now. The Spirit appeals to every man in every area of the personality. He appeals to the mind in verse 10, he says, Be wise, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. He's appealing to the mind of men. In Psalm 1, the first verse of Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What voice are you listening to? The man who is blessed, who doesn't walk or listen to the counsel of the ungodly and doesn't stand in the way of sinners, but rather, verse 2 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The counsel of the ungodly has men, led men astray since, the, since sin first came into the world. The wisdom of the world is foolishness. Why? Because it denies and rejects the rule of God. Our world boasts of its great knowledge. Our world has all of this technology. It seems that there's more knowledge than there ever, ever has been in the history of the world. But there's less and less wisdom in this world, because men, and men are more and more fools because they reject God. And they become wise in their own conceit. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And he makes himself out to be God. God's wisdom is what we need. And God's wisdom is found in God's word. 
and yet the kings of the earth don't want God. And so the Spirit appeals to men, be wise, listen to this instruction, because this is already decreed. You can submit yourself now. He appeals to the heart in verse 11. He says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Serve the Lord. Because of all of this, serve the Lord. Instead of rebelling and resisting, bow to Christ and serve Him. That's actually where you're going to find rest for your soul. How did the passage start out? They wanted to cast away the cords of God. They wanted to break the bands asunder. They wanted this freedom without God. But you know what? The place that you actually find rest for your soul is not without God. It's not without the rule of God in your life. People search for liberty in all the wrong places, and they think they're going to find liberty apart from God. You know what? In the search for liberty, the rebellious crowd practices anarchy. I studied out that word a little bit. Do you know what anarchy means? It means freedom without authority. That's what the word means, and it comes from the Greek word anarchia. An, the first part, means without. Arkos, it means chief ruler, without a ruler. Anarchy is without a ruler. Freedom, without a ruler. But you know the way to real freedom? is by submission and not rebellion. Submission to the Lord. To throw off God and to throw off His will is only to invite bondage and, and destruction. And so the Holy Spirit of God appeals and He says, serve the Lord in light of all this. And then He appeals to the will. He says, kiss the Son, lest He be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. He says, kiss the sun. You know what that means? It means to pay homage to him. And it's of willful intent. It's a bowing of the will to show loving surrender to the Lord. A kiss speaks of reconciliation or to bring together and the Bible tells us that the world has been reconciled to God by the cross of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Psalm 85.10 says, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. What he's saying is, pay homage to the Lord Jesus Christ willfully, lest, thou, lest he be angry and ye perish in the way. You know, God is able to save the lost sinner, but still uphold His holy law. And He's reconciling the world to Himself by Jesus Christ. And it's tragic that most of the people of this world are saying, we will not have this man to rule over us. But when Jesus Christ returns, they're going to be forced to bow before Him. 
Philippians 2.9 says that God has given Jesus Christ a name that is highly exalted above every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When that day comes, it's going to be too late for people who didn't bow their will to Him. And all God has to do is just kindle His wrath but a little, and sinners will perish. What will it be like when His wrath burns on this earth in great judgment? I'll close with this thought. Have you been reconciled to Jesus Christ? Have you embraced Him? Have you yielded to Him as King of kings and Lord of lords? One last thought. Because you see the last statement in verse 12. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Psalm 2 ends with a blessed. We could call it the beati- a beatitude. Psalm 1 begins with one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Then Psalm 2 ends with one. Blessed are they that put their trust in the Lord. What a joy for you and I to be able to understand the decree of God has been made. And if I just submit myself to Him and His will, I'm blessed of God. So, there's refuge in the Lord, amen? doesn't matter what all the voices are saying. There's refuge in the Lord. And the question is, are you listening to the right voices? Again, the world is trying to drown out truth. Their voice is one of rebellion, one of defiance. And over the noise of the nations, we ought to be listening for the assuring voice of God. We ought to be discerning and take inventory of the voices we are listening to. Sometimes that is even people that we need to have some discernment about. Who am I listening to? Why is the world making noise? Why the nations? Why the mean plots? Why the people plotting themselves and setting themselves against God? Why the earth's leaders pushing for their positions and their power and the demagogues and the delegates meeting together, you know, for their summit talks. Why the God deniers and the Messiah defiers and all of those. Why are they saying, let us free ourselves of God? Why are they saying, cast their cords from us? Because they don't want to be in submission. Because authority demands submission. You and I, on the other hand, Let us be in submission to the will of God. Amen? Because that is where we find blessedness and rest for the soul. The other side, God sits in heaven and laughs. And one day he's going to have the last say. Make sure that we're on the right side. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you'd encourage and challenge us today as well. And we think of these thoughts in the terms of the big picture and the events of the world and the political happenings and all of those things, but we can bring it right down to where we live, this issue of submission to God. And sometimes we can be haughty in our spirit, and sometimes we can be rebellious because of our old flesh. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep it in check 
Lord, you'd help us to have a submissive, surrendered heart to the will of God in everything. And in so doing, we find blessedness for the soul and rest and peace. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to not seek for freedom without God in our personal life. And, Lord, I pray also that you'd help us to be a witness and a light in this world. The wrath of God will surely come, but God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, Lord, I pray that you'd challenge your people today. Lord, you'd use your word in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.